you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good Morning Football is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Welcome to Good Morning Football. We are live in New York City. It is Tuesday, June 27th. I am Sarah Walsh alongside Tom Pelissero in a great jacket, Mike Garofolo, and Super Bowl champion Sean O'Hara. Yeah, do you have to do you have to water that jacket? I think you made that joke earlier, actually. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, it's a new hour. It is time now for the lead block. Lead block. Lead block. And it is grim looking for the Bears. We're coming off a league-worst 3-14 and record. One of those losses coming against former Bills linebacker Tremaine Edmonds, who happens to be one of the newest Chicago Bears. Last week, Edmonds provided praise for Justin Fields and hope for his new team. Obviously, his talent, his speed, his athleticism speaks for itself. Uh, I had a chance to play against him last year. Um, you know, definitely presented some of those challenges. You know, now I'm able to see it every single day just to see how hard he works, just to see his commitment. You know, he's one of those early guys, one of those late-leaving guys. And that's what you want to see from your quarterback, man. You know, he's a leader. You can see that he makes guys around him better. So I'm excited to see him take this next step. And uh, he's going to be a big part of our success this year. Edmonds, a great addition to that Chicago defense and seemingly very impressed with his new quarterback. What would you say is the best-case scenario for the 2023 Bears, Mike? Uh, I would say Justin Fields, because now, uh, listen, uh, we all know what he can do. I mean, talking to people who played against him or coached against him last year, it was, you have no idea what this guy is doing on the field from an athletic standpoint. These are people that saw Michael Vick play, Donovan McNabb play, even Patrick Mahomes and what he's able to do. It was like the the, the threat of his legs, which did open some things in the passing game, and that's what Luke Getze was trying to tap into as well. That's all great, but that ball against the commanders there, that was a great ball. Then there were some other throws that were great throws. He had 2,242 passing yards, 1,143 rushing yards. I want him over 3,000 passing, and I want him under 1,000 rushing. Now, it still could be in the area of, I don't know, 900 or so, because that threat is still there, and that's something that you want to be able to utilize. But, you know, that next step that Edmonds was talking about with Justin Fields is proving that he can beat you with his arm as well. So... That, to me, is the best-case scenario for the Bears moving forward, is that that guy becomes more of a dual threat at the uh, quarterback position. I think he can do it. I love that we're talking to the Chicago Bears right now, and it's best-case scenario. Like, look, every team, best-case scenario is, is you find a way to win the Super Bowl. But let's be realistic about this. Like, the Bears are not winning the Super Bowl this year. I, I think they're building towards all of that. And we saw the impact that Ryan Poles has had on just his first year. Last year, it was like a yard sale on players. He was trading away players. They were clearing the deck. They try to build this thing for sustainability. And I think when you look at the Bears, uh, the best-case scenario for them is that they somehow find a way to make the playoffs as a wild card. I don't think they're ready to win the division yet. And, and I think when you look at their offense, the steady climb that offensively that you're hoping to see is really, yes, it starts with Justin Fields, but 
from an offensive standpoint, best case scenario for Justin Fields is that he plays all 17 games, that he makes it through the season healthy. Because when you look at how much how much impact he had in the in the passing game and the running game, running the football, all those tackles, all those things, they become cumulative. So uh, best case scenario is the, is the defense, uh, there's tons of room for improvement, no doubt about it. But I think for Justin Fields, he's, if he stays healthy and they make the playoffs, I think that's a huge win for them this season. I would say the best case scenario – just, again, to go with the realistic aspect of this is you're playing meaningful games in December, which the Bears weren't a year ago. And they ended up with the number one overall pick. They obviously traded that to move back to number nine uh, with the Carolina Panthers and went up and got Bryce Young here. But they do think that Justin Fields, to the point that Mike made, has the opportunity in t- to develop into more than just a talented playmaker. That's something Luke Getze believes in. They got Andrew Ginoco over there, who's their quarterback's coach. They want to continue to mold Justin Fields here. Look what they did around him. They've given him some weapons. They made a big trade for Chase Claypool last year at the deadline. We'll see how that works out. DJ Moore was a guy they insisted upon getting in that trade involving the number one pick. Somebody who was a heavy target share guy when he was in Carolina has shown that he could be a productive receiver. And then they brought in guys like Tremaine Edmonds on an $18 million per year contract. They invested in the defense in those positions right up the middle of the defense that Matt Eberflus really needs to make that thing go. They've got a, if you look at the start of their schedule here, they should be able to make some headway in September and October. If they can get off to a fast start here, they do have the Chiefs in week three, but they face the Packers early in the season. They face Washington early in the season. They face the Bucks early in the season and the Broncos. They got an opportunity against the Vikings, too. The division, in my mind, in the NFC North is more open than maybe we've been talking about. Vikings were 13-4 and four a year ago. They've had a lot of change there. The Lions finished strong. They haven't done it for a full season. And the Packers have a new quarterback here. If the Bears can stay relevant into the, the second half of the season. I think that's a win for them. I think maybe the best-case scenario has already happened for them, and that's Aaron Rodgers is no longer in the division. That helps. That helps them, certainly. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Love. Minnesota, they were very good last year. Detroit, hot at the end of the year. But we were talking about it earlier, and it never shakes out the way you think, okay, where you slot, like, this team's going to do this, this team's going to do this. I think best-case scenario, I think it would be getting into the postseason, and I think that they can do it with the pieces that they put around Justin Fields. And if he stays healthy, I also think that DJ Moore, we know he's good. I think he's under in this league. I think he's really, really good. Carolina has fallen off the mark in recent years, and they made a push last year. And DJ Moore, any, all the, the positives that have come out of Carolina, DJ Moore was involved in so much of that, and he had so many quarterbacks rotating in and out last year. I think DJ Moore is a very underrated receiver in the National Football League, and I think giving him to Justin Fields as another weapon is going to be huge for Fields. I think we see him use his legs as, and and as I think because of what DJ Moore can do, I think we're going to see his passing numbers go up in a way that we haven't seen yet in this league. So I do think, I don't know about winning the division, but I, I think that this is a Bears team that could get into the postseason this upcoming year. That'd be fun. Looking for this team. It's one of the legendary franchises to get back in the mix. Uh, our buddy Adam Rank, the resident uh, Chicago Bears fan would love that, and he's always, I mean, he, he's uber confident. That's what I love about Rank. He's an optimist when it comes to uh, uh, the Chicago Bears. I also want to see Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, take the next step as a head coach as well, because I think that this is, we don't talk a lot about Matt Eberflus. I think he's got uh, the chops to be a really good uh, head coach in this league and take that next progression. He has to progress. The quarterback has to progress. The talent level on the team, we've seen it this offseason, progress a little bit. So Eberflus is a guy that we could be talking about saying he's doing a great job in Chicago uh, if he, again, takes that next step as a head coach. I can't get over their schedule. I'm looking through it. 
I mean, it's listen, we're, we're sitting here in June. We're basing everything off what happened last year and what we think teams are going to be. But these, there's a lot of winnable games. If you look at their schedule, they're not facing a murderer's row. I mean, compared to like the early portion of the Jets' schedule, the first Give six us the games. First five. What are their first five? They open at home against the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. They go to Tampa at Chiefs. That's rough. Home against the Broncos at Washington. Here's the whole oh, thing. Here we go. They host the Vikings. So they get a home, another home division game there. They host the Raiders. Then you got to go to LA and face the Chargers. To New Orleans. Those are tough games on the road. You know, with the pan. Look at it. I just look at that schedule and go, now, granted, you finish in last place. You get a couple of easier games on your schedule here. But it seems like just based upon the divisions that they're playing next year, they, you know, they're facing the AFC West, obviously, as you look at it here. If, if I'm the Bears, though, I, I, I want that flipped. Like, give, give me give me December in September because they got Lions, Browns, Carter. Like, I feel like the, the, the back half of their schedule, we're talking about meaningful games in December. In order for those games to, to mean something, you, you've got to have a decent record going into that. So right. uh, that, that, I think that's a tough start for them. But, yeah, if, they're, if those games are impactful in December right there, that's a win. For but go, go into Kansas City and win the game. I mean, they went into Foxborough on the game that everybody thought that Belichick was going to tie Hallis that night, which the Bears certainly wanted to win that game. And they went and they won that game on a Monday. That was a stunning victory, and they did it in stunning fashion. I want to see a little bit more of that from the Chicago Bears. By the way, that wound up being the last game that they won. If I told you that night that's the last game that the Bears are going to win for the rest of the season, you would have been stunned. Can you imagine also week one if they open up and beat the Packers? I was talking about the best case scenario for them already happened that Aaron Rodgers left. Can you imagine week one yeah. if they come out and beat the Packers? Just that fair. And when you talk about optimism, it's going to be insane. Well, that's what I mean. Have those home division games. You open up against the Packers. Jordan Love's first start as the guy is on the road in Chicago where his predecessor dominated for many years. The pressure is completely on the Packers in that type of a scenario. The Bears get a win. Maybe you gather a little bit of confidence there. If Justin Fields plays well, that's something we're going to be talking about, I'm sure, that Monday morning after. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This man needs no introduction, but it's in the teleprompter, so I'm going to give it to him anyway. Uh, he won three Super Bowls as the VP of Player Personnel for the New England Patriots. He has served as an assistant general manager, a general manager, and now he is our NFL front office analyst. And according to NFL research, we were talking about conditioning tests earlier in the show, he's never failed an NFL training camp conditioning <laughs> test. Please welcome back Scott Pioli. Yeah, Scott, what's up? Uh, good morning. Trust me, my high school coach will tell you that I might have failed one or two of those. Hey, great on the curve, Scott. All right, the futures of Dalvin <laughs> Cook and DeAndre Hopkins have dominated the news cycle. However, it's late June and there doesn't seem to be a lot of urgency for teams to sign them. Is that the case? Tell us what is going on in the front offices of teams who could be interested in either of these two players. Jeezy, I think every team looks at it a little bit differently, right? But one of the first things you have to look at, what are the teams that still have budgets in terms of cap and cash? At this point in time of the year, there's a lot of teams that have blown through their cash commitment for the year. And as crazy as it sounds, when you look at players like Cook, 
you know, it's going to cost a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of cash. D-Hop is going to cost a lot of cash. So some teams will stick to their cash budget. Some teams are in a situation where they can still manipulate the cap. Other teams can't manipulate their cap. So it comes down to the situation where the cap is and the cash is. But there's also this other thing. Anytime that you do a deal, it takes both sides. And right now, veteran players that are in situations like this, sometimes what they want to do is they want to sit tight. They want to put themselves in the best situation, not only in terms of winning, but who are the other players I'm going to be with. Sometimes it would behoove a player to sit back, wait, watch, see where there are injuries and get the best deal, the best situation, the best circumstance. Veteran players don't like training camp, so they may just be sitting tight to get that deal done, and a team can only do a deal if a, team, if a player wants to get a deal done. Scott, we were just talking about the high expectations surrounding the Cowboys. That kind of pressure comes when your nickname mm. is America's team, obviously, but you were part of that Patriots dynasty, so you know what it's like to be under pressure season after season. What challenges does a front office run into when expectations for their team are so high every single year? Yeah, Sarah, you know, it's a really delicate balance because you want to have very high standards internally and you want to have high expectations internally. However, when you're projecting things to the outside, you want to make sure that you manage expectations. You know, my dad used to have this saying when I was a kid, uh, you know, don't ever let your mouth write a check that your butt can't cash. So what that means is manage expectations externally. Don't go out and talk about how great you are, how great you're going to be. Again, you have to do things with confidence internally. You have to do things positively internally. But you have to manage the expectations because here's what's happened. And I've been a part of both sides of this, where if you are not managing expectations externally, what happens is fans get excited. They do extra spending. They get worked up. The media gets worked up. And if you fail or you fall short of whatever the expectations are, it's a 10-win season or a 9-win season, and that falls short and doesn't get you where you want to be, whether there's something you control or can't control that gets you to that bad spot, fans don't care. And what you have to do is make sure that you haven't put yourself in a situation to not be able to live up to expectations because something happened that was way out of your control. Yeah, Scott, I love the lessons from dad right there. And probably some lessons from your brother, too. Mess around and find out. Um, I think everybody knows what that means. <laughs> Listen, uh, while everybody's reading books on beaches and playing golf and planning vacations, uh, you're doing something else. You're attending all these seminars. The NFL just held its third annual Ozzie Newsom mm. General Manager Forum. And actually, I think that's him over your right shoulder behind you. Um, and also, the it sixth is. annual coaching summit last week. You were on hand for both of them. Uh, tell us all about the action and the conversation that took place there. Oh. Sean, it was absolutely awesome because what it really is, it's kind of like an old school training for coaches. It's an ability to go to a clinic and network and learn and listen to people. And it's something that's not done a lot like it used to be done. And this week was absolutely incredible because some of the people that were there as attendees also spoke. You know, at one point in time, Ian Cunningham, who's the assistant GM of the Bears, was up there. And I listened to him talk. I listened to his detail, how organized he was, his process that he went through. 
this guy should be a GM. He's going to be a GM. He was raised actually in his first job under Ozzie Newsom, so that was pretty cool. But then the coaches got up there, and there was a great group of coaches that went up and spoke. Brian Johnson from the Eagles was there. Another guy that was there was Charles London, who's the new passing coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. Charles got up there and spoke, and I listened to him, and it was this really cool full circle moment. But you know, you'll read Charles's bio. You see that he played at Duke and he's got a degree from Duke. You'll see that he had all these jobs in football, but the job that's missing on his resume was in 2001 when we moved to Gillette Stadium. Charles was our director of facilities, had absolutely nothing to do with football, even though he loved it. He thought he wanted to get into coaching. This guy put in the work. He didn't care what he did. And for three years, he was in charge of Gillette Stadium facilities with Dan Murphy. And any time you needed something done, it didn't matter what time it was, Charles was there. He's now, again, sitting there as a passing coordinator of the Tennessee Titans because he's put in the work. He continues to train, continues to learn. Watched him teach some folks. He's a name to watch. Charles is a lot of fun to talk to every time. Learn something about football from him, too, Scott. Uh, Last thing for you real quick. I want to ask you a question we talked about on the show yesterday. But give it a front office twist for us. Okay, from that perspective, would you rather win one Super Bowl and be mediocre for the next 10 seasons or spend 10 seasons being consistently competitive but you can't guarantee a championship? Uh, I'm I'm going with the latter. Put me in a position to win championships. So I was watching you guys yesterday. I pulled out some stuff. Here's a prop for everybody. This is our Patriots scouting. Uh Uh-oh, I think you guys lost me. This is our Patriots scouting manual. We hear you. And at the bottom it says, we're building a big, strong, fast, tough, smart, disciplined football team that consistently competes for championships. Here's the thing. You need to consistently be in a position to compete for championships so you actually have a chance to win. And here's the other thing. Along with leadership comes a great deal of responsibility and an obligation. It's not just to the players. It's not just to the coaches. It's to everybody that is working under you and their families. Now, if you win one and then you stink really bad and you go all in to win that one, people get fired. What happens is usually general managers and head coaches get contract extensions after that big win. And then when you're not good, people start to get fired in a lot of different roles. People that counted on you and that you counted on. So to me, I believe that there's this greater responsibility to put yourself in a position to win or have a chance to win every single year. Scott Pioli, I mentioned NFL Research. Uh, They checked in during this conversation, said... uh, in all of your years in this earth, uh, you, your butts never bounce the check. So congratulations to you on that account. <laughs> never, my friend. <laughs> Our next guest is a Pro Bowl linebacker. He has played six seasons after coming back from a devastating knee injury, and he is an inspiration to many. So please welcome linebacker Jalen Smith. Yeah. What's up, Jalen? How you guys doing? I am, I'm happy to be on this morning. Getting to to talk some stuff. (laughs) Yeah, we're happy. We'll we'll go a whole range. You want to talk waffles? We can talk waffles. You want to talk football? We can talk football. Let's ask about the Cowboys. Come on. We can't leave that out. We'll we'll get all this stuff in here. Uh, You played last season with the Giants. You ranked second on the team in tackles. You're currently a free agent. We've seen you posting workouts on Instagram. What do you think makes you most attractive to a prospective NFL team right now? I think my biggest thing is 
And outside of experience, my leadership, um, understanding the value that I can add to a team, a production right away. Um, that, that That's my biggest thing is just priding myself on knowing that I can get the job done, knowing that I can still play this game at a high level and still compete to be one of the best linebackers in the league. All I need is one team to believe in me and give the opportunity. And uh, I'll show the rest, but I'm, I'm embracing where I am, um, just controlling what I can control. And I've been down this road. So you got to keep grinding. Jalen, I met you back in 2016 in Fort Wayne. It was about three months after you had your knee surgery. It was the first interview that you had done at that point. I just remember walking away and being so struck by how upbeat and positive you were under the circumstances. How, how does the, the knee feel these days? And also, just how would you say that going through that ordeal has shaped uh, who you are today? Man, the knee is the knee is great. I would say, um, you know, entering the draft after my career-threatening injury and not knowing, you know, doctors no, never thinking that I was going to play again and all of that good stuff. The Cowboys took a chance on me, uh, and my and I had to redshirt my whole rookie year. So I took my time really coming back and um, and, and getting this thing underway. So I, I would say the biggest thing for me is just like. Seeing, watching the film and, and seeing the production that I that I cause, um, you know, I, I I got to New York last year around week four, um, and we went on that streak. No one expected us to to, to make the playoffs or anything, um, and I had a big a big part to do with that. Just like I said, outside of production in the middle, just an overall leadership and, and understanding that man, it takes a village. You can't do this thing alone. Um, so the biggest thing for me is just staying prepared, staying ready. Uh, I just turned 28 last uh, last week. I'm a Gemini, so uh, excited about that. But I got a lot of ball left. Well, happy belated birthday from all of us here at Good Morning Football, and uh, congratulations on a terrific career to this point. Not over yet. But the career began with the Cowboys. You said that the uh, Cowboys uh, were the team that, that gave you your shot. Uh, you live in Dallas now. Uh, we know how non-Cowboys fans feel about the Cowboys, so tell us how Cowboys fans in Dallas and elsewhere are feeling about America's team entering the 2023 season. You know, there's a lot There's a lot of excitement. I've been in Dallas for seven, seven years now, living here, and uh, I, know, I know around the city there's a lot of excitement around Dak Prescott um, re- really having – the, the system under his shoulders. Uh, I think Mike McCarthy is, is kind of calling the plays now. So uh, they're excited about that. Michael Parsons going into to year three is um, really ready to, to, to evolve into, you know, arguably the best defensive player in, in football. I think he's going to be playing a lot more um, defensive in snaps this year. Uh, it's, it, there's a lot of excitement for me. I, I love the game of football. So, I'm always tuned in to see how different teams can grow. All right, let's stay in the NFC East here. Uh, we're going to put you on the spot here. There hasn't been a repeat champion uh, in the NFC East in 20 years, almost 20 years, whatever it is. Uh, that's fine with you because the Eagles, that, you didn't play for the Eagles. So you're like, that's good. The Eagles aren't going to win the division. That's fine with you, right? But now's the hard part. Giants or Cowboys, who is more likely to knock off the Eagles if that trend continues? Ooh, I'm not sure. You know, the Eagles and me being uh, pretty much playing my whole career in the NFC East, uh, past two years with the Giants and then the first five with 
with the Cowboys, you know, I know all about what the NFC East offers. And you just never know. Uh, two years ago, Washington was the top of the conference and, and no one thought that would happen. Um, so I think you just got to let this thing play out. Uh, I think after about week eight, you kind of got an idea of, you know, who's the who's the better team in the conference, uh, you know, that year. So I think you got to wait it out. It's always exciting. It's a reason why the, the NFC East is is the best, um, you know, the best conference in, in, in football. If you look at history and uh, in my opinion and a lot of other people's opinion. I, and, it's, and it's so exciting to play in the conference because you just don't know, um, you know, what's going to come out. You know, the team that you play, is a, it's a rival opponent each, you know, each time, uh, you know, they go up against each other. Yeah, Jalen, that was a very politically correct answer by you and also well done. <laughs> As a current free agent, you don't want to close any doors. Uh, so well played right there. Um, listen, it was it was awesome to watch you play for the Giants. And, and you mentioned you just showed up kind of week four right there and just you know j- hopped right in there. And yet the production was there, second on the team in tackles. So you were absolutely an impact on the field uh, from the production standpoint. But the other thing that I noticed, and and I love watching you play, whether it was with the Cowboys or with the Giants, was the amount of energy that you bring to every single game. That that is contagious. And when you make a play, I always used to watch, all right, who comes up to a guy? Whenever a guy makes a highlight play, a tackle or a big play, does the whole team rally around him? And every time you made a play, people were coming off the bench to come over. So that speaks volumes to your leadership and, and to what you're like in the locker room as well. So let's take us. Let's go back inside that locker room last year. All right, you played for, with Dak Prescott. You play with Daniel Jones now, and I feel like you. You know, as a quarterback, you've made it when you get a nickname. You guys named him Vanilla Vic. Take us through. How did this come up with it? Who gave him the nickname? And is he really that fast? Honestly, he is. Um, and I remember playing against him when I was in Dallas, his first and second year in the league, and getting to see his speed but last year he unleashed and I think he started to understand that okay if his reads aren't there he can use his guy given abilities and once he got and once he built some confidence okay now Dable started designing uh run plays behind him and you know uh kind of a Lamar Jackson type of type of vibe and and we all loved it we rooted behind him um, it, when he runs, it builds confidence, and we all love that. So the Vanilla Vic, I think Sterling, I think Sterling Shepard gave him that nickname, um, and we all just ran with it. But he's fast, like he's he's legit fast. Like the whole thing, like white man can't jump. This guy can really, really run, and uh, you got to be. And de- defenders got to got to take account of that. So um, I I started to see later in the season. Um, and especially in the playoffs, there were teams that were putting spies on uh, Daniel Jones to really just take, um, you know, respects to his running, uh, you know, ability. So, you know, anytime you got a game plan around something like that, it, it's legit. Give him the jump. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Jalen, real quick before we let you go, when people join us, they join us from all manner of places. We had Chris Olave on yesterday. He joined us from his car. You look like you're joining us from an art gallery. Are you in your office at home? Are you, did, did you paint yes. the pictures on the wall? What do we got going on back there? I'm in my office. Yeah, my favorite color is orange. I'm a very uh, aesthetic type of guy. So 
uh, any any chance I get to to be around some colors is is amazing. So I got some I got some uh, some, some local artwork here in Dallas in my office, uh, just grinding away. Uh, outside of being a, a professional athlete, I'm I'm an entrepreneur, active. So I never wanted to be remembered as a great football player. So I'm always working. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to Good Morning Football. Our next guest is a young player on the rise in the Motor City. He's a big part of the Lions' success in 2022. Please give a warm welcome to Lions cornerback Jerry Jacob. Yeah, what's up, Jerry? Good morning, what's JJ. Up, guys? Thank you. Good morning, man. Thank you for having me. It's a blessing to be on here. Uh, I used to watch you guys' shows every uh, morning. All right, we appreciate it. Of course, it's it's a blessing to have you on here with us. And uh, one of these days, we got to get you in here live in person, right here at the breakfast table. Uh, Jerry, oh, listen, let's that. talk about you a little bit. You're you're a UDFA. Uh, I, I'm one as well. So we uh, we're we're in a, a, a little fraternity here, undrafted free agent, right? Coming right out of college in 2021. Lions saw something special in you, though, right? And and they said we got to have this guy. He's got a little bit of a dog mentality. Dan Campbell's even called you a pit bull one time on the field. Uh, where does that come from? Have you heard that before? And, and where did that mindset come from? Um, just growing up, you know, I've um, always been an underdog um, my whole life. You know, I was short, you know, everyone looked over me, but I just never let that get to me. You know, um, even when Detroit gave me that undrafted free agent shot, I was just like, man, I got to go up there and give them my all. So um, every, every time I step on the field, practice field, no matter what, I just gonna give them my all and, you know, I compete. Um, you know, I don't give up. I'm going to just go go hard every time. So um, when I got to Detroit, uh, that's what my whole uh, mindset was, like, you know, compete. You know, even if you do get caught on compete, finish, you know, things like that. And um, Coach Campbell, uh, one day after practice, was just like, dang, you're a pit bull, man. you everywhere. And uh, he just stuck with it and then ran with it. Yeah, he likes to compete. He's into that a little bit. We've heard a little bit about that, and we'll hear a little bit about that going <laughs> forward as well. Uh, and your defense, uh, you add some competitors this offseason, guys like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Cam Sutton. Do you feel this group has the potential to be one of the best defenses in the NFL this season? Yes, sir. Um, man, we grab guys like Cam Sutton, C.J. Clancy Gardner. Um, them veteran guys, you know, um, They've been in the room, these um, OTAs and many camps, and, you know, they're helping us out a lot, you know, um, with um, just learning the scheme of uh, playing in the NFL and, you know, making the defense better. You know, Cam Sutton been in the league for seven years, so just getting every knowledge from him. Emmanuel Mosley, you know, he coming back from an injury, but he's still, you know, in there 24-7, laser locked in. And Chauncey, man, Chauncey just made the – he going to make the game more fun. Um, I love his um, enthusiasm. I love the way he, you know, come out there and talk trash. That just turned us up. So, man, the guys that we – out of this offseason, I think we're going to be pretty dominant in the back end. You know, Chauncey's, Chauncey's kind of like that guy, if you got a buddy, Jerry, and you're going out to a club or something, you know if somebody's getting in a fight, it's him, and you might end up having to fight <laughs> on his behalf. So are you prepared for the full Chauncey Gardner-Johnson experience here? Tom, you hit it right on the point, man. Um, yeah, I'm right on with my guy, <laughs> man. <laughs> Chauncey, you know, he taught. He um, already got some of the offense guys, you know, starting in OTAs, and I'm right behind him. So, you know, things like that just showed you that um, he getting people here by just the way, you know, he talk. 
So you guys missed out on the opportunity to clinch a playoff berth last year. You didn't get the help earlier in the day on the final day of the season, but you still went out there, played a really good game, and spoiled the Packers' playoff chances. The optimism right now for the Lions, based on how you guys finished, is at an all-time high. What is the feeling like in the locker room, and how is the team dealing with the outside noise and expectations that really haven't existed for the Lions in a long time? I agree. Um, man, we just um, – we just – Knocking out the outside noise, you know, even though they gave us the big game, you know, the NFL kickoff versus Kansas City, man, we're not looking into nothing like that. Um, we just going out there and ready to compete, man. You know, come, bounce, bounce back out from last season, you know, we finished pretty strong and we just want to keep that momentum going, um, pass over to this upcoming season. So um, we really don't even know, pay attention to the media and things like that, you know, cause just because they know that we, um, we we on the rise to be great and um, we just want to keep going and get better game by game and week by week. Well, while we're talking about hype, there's a guy in our team that we think maybe should get more hype than he's gotten certainly in the past, and a guy that considers himself an underdog, Amon Ross St. Brown. He was drafted in the fourth round a couple years back, quickly gotten the reputation of one of the most slept-on wideouts in the game, although that's going to change. You go against him in practice on a daily basis. Tell us what makes him so special. Man, he can do it all. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown is like um – He's a slot receiver, but you you t- you telling me a guy with 190, 198 coming in a block linebackers and DN, you know, just to strain his strain his blood for his teammates, man, that's a um, passion guy, man. I, I love going to work with him, and um, man, he just compete, you know. Um, he don't give up. He a dog. Um, like I said, I love going against him in practice. We just make each other better, you know, and we just compete. Jerry, uh, Dan Campbell's one of our favorite people in the entire league right now, and uh, we have a guy that usually sits here at this table, Kyle Brandt, does a great Dan Campbell impersonation. Word on the street is you've got a couple guys in your locker room that do great Dan Campbell impersonations. Who does it the best? Um, great Dan Campbell. Um, as I mean, Alex, Alex Anzalone. Just because he's been with Dan Campbell so long that – yeah, the linebacker number 34, um, my middle linebacker, he does a pretty good job at, you know, doing what Coach Campbell does. Like, he's been with him since New Orleans, so he knows pretty much everything that he be coming with, even before practice. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.